this is your host, Nisa Harris, and you are listening to Shomea Ve'ona Tehillim and Other Hebrew Text Podcast, episode 143. The following is the recitation of Psalm 130, aka Perak or Mizmor Kuf Lamed. After the recitation, stay tuned to hear more about this Mizmor. Psalm 130 Shir Hamalot Mima Makim Kratiha Adonai Adonai Shima Vikoli Tiena Aznacha Kashuvot Lechol Tachanunai Im Avonot Tishmar Ya Adonai Mi Yaamod Ki Imcha Haslicha Lemaan Tivare Kiviti Adonai Kivta Nafshi Belid Varo Hochalti Nafshi Ladonai Mishomrim Laboker Shomrim Laboker Yachel Israel El Adonai Kiim Adonai Hachesed Beharbei Imo Fedut Vehu Yifde Et Israel Mikol Avonotav Psalm 130 is the 11th out of 15 in the Shira Malot series and is one of the most well-known. This Mizmor is recited on fast days and Svartim add this to Kaddish by Slichot, but the general halacha is that it's said between Ishtabach and Barhu on the Aseret Yemei Teshuvah, aka 10 days of repentance, before the Yom Kippur holiday coming up which is interesting because generally you're not allowed to interrupt between those prayers of Baruch Shamar and Yishtabach. Uh, however, as the Magen Avraham points out, that the only permissible time you can interrupt is that if there is something that is such an emergency and we are so desperate and need to add in to be able to say to Hashem, which clues you in more into how and when this psalm is used. More, most frequently, you will hear it recited as the psalm used when there is a crisis in Israel or there is a very sick person or in general around the world, there's a crisis. On an interesting note, a number of shuls create the pew lower where the chazan praying for the congregation needs to physically take a step down on the pew so that you are calling out from the depths physically based on the concept stemming from this psalm. The psalm starts off with this deep emotion that I think we can all at one time or another in our lives relate to. Mimamakim, 
from the depths. Some commentaries say it's a physical depth that the narrator is talking about where the person or their situation in life has reached rock bottom or just is very difficult, etc. Or that it's a physical reference to where Yonah, Jonah, was in the depths of the sea calling out with this prayer from the inside of a whale. Some say it's spiritual and emotional depths, either because we are in exile or just generally feeling disconnected spiritually and or feeling down. I have heard a lot of commentators speak about how the main theme of this psalm is a prayer for forgiveness from sin, which helps us understand why it's said during the 10 days leading up to Yom Kippur, but doesn't help explain why we say it in a time of crisis. In fact, it seems to be in the past tense that from the depths I called to you, possibly suggesting that this was sins from the past that he wasn't even sure God was listening to, but now understands that forgiveness only lies with him as he has felt that forgiveness, uh, he has felt that forgiveness from him now at this point and was able to unburden his load by the time he's saying this psalm. There is also something very significant about the fact that we go from personal to national within the same psalm. Many commentaries understand this dichotomy to be the crux of Judaism, where as a solo individual, we may not stand a chance stacked up against our sins, but that Hashem has said that if we come as a collective, then he will forgive us. I want to understand this better but first need to point out that there is a comparison to the watchman guarding at night in this psalm, waiting for the sunlight. So the narrator awaits to eagerly hear if Hashem has forgiven him. I have heard a few explanations of why this comparison helps us understand the level of anticipation that the narrator is feeling here. One reason is, imagine a soldier in Israel knowing that the community he is protecting can sleep soundly because they know he is watching. But it's the night shift, and as you get closer to sunrise, you get more and more tired, and so you become obsessed with one thing, the countdown to when you will reach sunrise. Another aspect to this is that you are hypervigilant when you are on guard, not feeling secure and protected until your shift is over at sunrise. So there is this sense of vulnerability that we start to grasp from here, that the narrator feels unprotected until he knows that Hashem forgives him. This is a big deal because the quality of this prayer completely changes when we recognize why the narrator is asking to be forgiven for their sins. It starts to help understand the question, why do we need to be forgiven? If you really think about it, why do we need someone else to forgive me? The Christians have this understanding that Yashka, a Jewish term used for Jesus, was the sacrifice for all their sins so that they don't have to deal with the heavy, huge burden of the sins that they do. And it's unique that the Jewish people can pray to Hashem and ask for forgiveness as a, in contrast to that. But what is the underlying reason for why we need to be forgiven? Actually, there are many people who go on self-healing journeys who have learned how to forgive themselves, and they don't actually feel burdened by the sins that they have done in the past, and 
they simply move forward. So why is this concept of being forgiven so important? Why is there this eagerness and feeling of vulnerability and insecurity on behalf of the narrator while they await to hear God's verdict if it's, as we came to understand, this is not just about his current sins, right? We explained that. But my husband and I um, had the honor of being scholar-in-residence at a Shabbaton retreat this past weekend for a program through the Jewish Federation that helps to develop future Jewish leaders. We talked about the importance of accountability, holding those that you lead accountable for the things that they do, right or wrong, and how recognizing that when you hold someone accountable, it reinforces the relationship itself because you are able to identify areas of strength, but also areas that are needing improvement. And the lay person is recommitting themselves to the common goals and values when they take stock of what has been going well and what needs to be improved. Only then can the business or program or relationship move forward in a positive and productive way. Asking for forgiveness is taking accountability. Yes, it's really healthy and important for you to get to a place where you can forgive yourself. However, you remain disconnected and can't move forward in other relationships if others that you are in relationships with have not forgiven you. Sometimes others won't forgive you, and it's a relationship lost, unfortunately, aka you get fired or break up, for example, or lose a friendship. You can find other ways of letting that relationship go and move forward around that hole, so to speak, find a new job, partner, friend, but the narrator in this psalm is praying and calling out to Hashem, pleading with him that despite all the ways they have messed up, They desperately wish to maintain and have this close relationship with Hashem. He doesn't want to get fired, so to speak. And he might have to lean on the collective good and will show that it's more than just him that wishes to continue to spread the beautiful connective message that Hashem promotes. And this is where we understand how the collective versus the solo person has a greater chance of being redeemed, as it says by the end of the psalm. That, yes, they have all faltered, but they are able to come together as one and entreat Hashem, reminding him that they are in awe of his ways and wish to aim to do better, and that they are taking collective accountability and recommitting to do better, which might help explain why if we come as a group, there is less of a chance that we will all be fired, so to speak, together. And there is more of the possibility that the leader can see that there is a good chance for improvement. This helps us understand why, and as an individual and as a collective, we so often come together to recite this heartfelt mismoor. Not only are we bravely and vulnerably admitting our fallibility, but we as individuals and collectives are reaching out and telling Hashem that we hope he will forgive us because we do not want to continue to be a part, we we do want to continue to be part of his world 
and spread his good values. In our own relationships, we can practice the vulnerability that it takes to ask for forgiveness from each other so that we can aim to maintain healthy relationships, really taking accountability for our actions, being transparent, and letting others observe and evaluate our performance, so to speak. With Hashem, as opposed to our fellow man, we're never quite sure if we are forgiven. However, as we approach the upcoming holiday of Rosh Hashanah, the word Rosh reminds us of the head of the new year, when we as individuals crowned Hashem as our king and leader. And that feeling of needing to prove ourselves to Hashem or the person that we have faltered with, to prove to them that we want to be held accountable and have an opportunity to prove that we can in fact improve. This needs to stay with us as a guide so that we can achieve the goal of remaining in and deepening our connection and or improving our relationships with them. May we be able to forgive ourselves and be able to vulnerably take accountability and ask forgiveness of others so that we can see that we are capable of maintaining deep, connective, fulfilling relationships. A learning recitation for this week's Ms. Moore is in the merit that we all we will all be sealed in the book of life in the upcoming holiday of Rosh Hashanah. If there is an episode that you would like to sponsor, or if you have any questions, please email me at nurseNisa1, N-U-R-S-E-N-I-S-A, the number one, at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to join the Facebook group to be aware of upcoming episodes. Please subscribe and share. Thank you for joining.